Welcome to Reality Bites. This is Desley Casey, your host. And, and Sue Catholic. And Sue. Uh, and Sue and I have decided today to do a bit of a wrap-up. We tried to do a live, but we had major technical issues, so we're pre-recording. <laughs> yes. Technology is a wonderful thing when it works, but it's a bastard when it doesn't. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and that sort of thing. So anyway, so today we thought we'd do a bit of a, a wrap-up of the <coughs> Australian federal election 2022. And yep. Uh, most people will know, probably even around the world these days, that the ALP, the Australian Labor Party, have got into power. Whether they will be able to uh, govern in their own right or whether they will need to negotiate with the crossbenchers as a minority government is still up for grabs at this point in time. Yes. So... And but hey, uh, Sue, your thoughts being a diehard Labor supporter? Mm. Well, being a diehard Labor supporter, I was extremely happy to wake up Sunday morning and consider the fact that Labor had had made it. We made it. Um, like you said, Desley, it's not in their own right yet. I'm quietly confident that it will be. Mm -hmm. But in saying that, I really don't have a problem with the way that the election did go. Mm -hmm. I believe that Australia made a stand and uh, took out the Liberals at the knees. And I think that that was um, the object of the game. It also sent a message that Whilst there is um, um, climate wars, so to speak, Australia has spoken. Climate change is important to Australians. Hence, we have so many teal independents winning seats. I think that's a good thing for our government. I think it'll be much more honest and transparent. And the man that is that was signed in as Prime Minister, has a way of joining people together and I think that this would work. Yes, it's interesting. You talk about the teal independence, which is a new term that came up through the actual electoral campaign. Basically, it's a group of independents funded by Simon Holmes the Court, uh, a billionaire, Australian billionaire, who, are stand, who stood for uh, election in various electorates as independents. It's still yet to be determined, isn't it, Sue, whether they actually will vote as a block mm -hmm. um, or whether they will, and they may vote as a block um, on some issues, however, mm -hmm. vote independently according to their constituencies uh, in other circumstances. Yep. I and think, I think that, yeah, go on there, sorry. I, I was going to say, I think Labor out of the both major parties is probably the one party that I think will have the best results of negotiating 
with the Teals as a minority government. Yeah. All the hoo-ha from the LNP as such in the election campaign, don't vote for the Teals, it will cause chaos and it will cause, uh, you know, absolute chaos in Australia. I don't believe, and I don't think Australians believe it either, because history tells us if we go back to the Gillard government, which was a minority government, um, and they actually successfully negotiated and passed more legislation in her term than any other government had done, I think, at, up to that time or even since. Yeah, that's so true. It, it wasn't as destabilising to the Australian community and the Australian electorate that particularly the Liberal Nationals were trying to make out. Yeah. I think a stable government is, you know, who's at the helm? And thank heavens we no longer have the bulldozer at the helm. So we negotiation <laughs> will be a little bit easier. It's hard to negotiate if if you want it all your way. And, mm. you know, I think that, um, well, Anthony Albanese has, um, you know, he's renowned for that, bringing the Labor Party together after that terrible uh, spill with Gillard, Rudd, Rudd, Gillard, and, and the, the whole um, schmozzle that was the Labor Party. He was the, the, the vehicle that put the party back together to the point where they are today. They are solid. They are a team. He is the type of leader that includes people. And throughout his whole campaign, um, the strongest message that, that he put out was that he wants to reunite, reunite Australia, reunite the government. We find the common goal and let's all work towards a better outcome. And with that in mind, I think that what we have is not three bad. And, you know, lots of countries around the world function quite well with, um, you know, a minority government. So, yes. and the news of today as well is, is that Peter Dutton has become the now the leader of the Liberal National Party or now known as the Opposition Party uh, in Australia. Now that, <coughs> as I said to Sue earlier when we were talking, keep P Peter Dutton there as long as possible because Whilst he's there, the electorate do not like him uh, as yep. such, even though, from what I understand, in government circles, he's actually a lot more mellow than what he comes across to the Australian public as such. But the longer they keep Dutton as the leader of the opposition, then I think the longer um, they will stay in opposition is my two cents worth at this point in time. Maybe yeah. he maybe he will prove me wrong or the Australian electorate wrong and he may be more open to negotiation. Uh, um, only, only time will tell, actually. Uh, absolutely. I think one, you know, um, 
I, I do think Labor is better placed to, to negotiate from a minority government perspective, even though they would like to govern in their own right. And there's still about uh, 10 to 12 seats still in doubt. And yeah. interesting enough, Sue, both our seats, which were both Labor, are still actually in doubt. Uh, yeah. as to who's going to get that for different reasons. Uh, yeah. You know, you in Tasmania in Lyons and me in, here on the south coast of New South Wales in Gilmore. Now, yeah, well, I have it on, on good authority from my Lyons team that we're, we're 7% um, up front and they were going through, they're fairly confident that they will retain lions. Yes. However, unfortunately, we have lost um, Braddon and Bass. And, uh, you know, that's so that'll be one uh, Labor electorate in Ola Tassie that's going to make for an interesting situation. Well, that will definitely make for an interesting uh, situation, won't it? Yeah. Um, and I have faith in Brian. I think Brian's been around for a while. People um, trust Brian. Um, and, you know, everything I've heard has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Susie's a local girl yep. um, and has put up a hell of a fight. Right. But um, I do believe that Brian will hang in in the end. So we'll just wait and see. Interesting, though, Des. Lee, sorry. Miss. Yep. Um, Josh Frydenberg has um, conceded the oh, seat. Oh, he, he has conceded. He has conceded. Wow. Now, Josh. So that he, puts another, that's Dr. Monique Ryan. Another Teal Independent. The, another Teal Independent, yeah, holds the seat of Kuyong, mm-hmm. which really tells you a lot about, you know, where the Liberals have just fallen over because that's a safe Liberal seat. Yes. And um, it's gone. Yes. Well, interesting enough, um, I'm just looking at the tally room now on the Australian Electoral Commission website. The close seats in all states and territories are Gilmore, which is the electorate that I'm in, and in New South Wales, and Deakin in Victoria, which... uh, Gilmore is, was Fiona, the incumbent is Fiona Phillips, the ALP member. She was a first-time member uh, in the 2019. And uh, Deacon is uh, held by the Liberals. And they are a little bit too close to call at this point in time. So... I think at- what I... What I um, really appreciate a lot about this election is how just how many women mm-hmm. have actually stood up and and gone in and have won. Mm. And I I don't know whether uh, there's any relationship to that and what happened last March in the Justice March. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that the women of Australia have spoken. Absolutely. I think that women, uh, particularly women voters, are sick and tired of the male 
dominance. Yeah. Uh, and their issues not really getting a proper look in. When you look yeah. at the women's issues, you look at how the sexual assaults were handled in Parliament yeah. and the uproar about that. When you look at domestic violence issues, yeah. uh, what is it? One woman dies every every, every nine days. Every nine days, yeah. One woman dies in Australia every nine days. That's a that's a terrible stat. That is a terrible stat. Uh, also, I think that the dare I say it that the women in the former government were very hardline. Yeah, very hardline liberal. Um, yeah, well, you've got your Linda Reynolds, who you know, really hardline. Michaela Cash, very hardline. Um, you know, Anne Rustin, we yes. we very familiar with Anne Rustin and her line. Mm. And I suppose when I mention Anne Rustin, I'd like to also mention that, hooray, hip hip, we are rid of that horrid threat of the cashless debit card. Absolutely. I'm very pleased about that. Now, you and I are basically due for uh, pensions next year, 2023. Yep. I think what yours is in March 2023, yep. is in April. I think we can breathe a sigh of relief that we can yes. access the age pension without the threat of having the cashless debit card over our heads. Yeah. Now, it's yep. still, you know, for all the cashless debit card holders out there, be patient. Yeah. Labor have only just got in. We've still, they've still got to swear in their cabinet as yet. Um, I've, I'll come back to it in a minute about, you know, the quad meeting. Yeah. Um, I'd like to touch on that in a minute. So basically the formal government cabinet won't be sworn in until possibly a week or two. Yeah. Uh, so and then they're going to have to, and I know that they uh, were looking at Justine Elliott. Her seat was pretty close but seems to have, I think, I don't know whether it has resolved as yet. But uh, I think she'll retain that. But she was looking to retain the seat for ALP. Yeah. So Justin Elliott and Julian Hill spearheaded the tabling of the the bill last December. Yeah. To have the cashless debit card scrap. Now that yeah. got nowhere uh, because the government stymied the debate on that. So it's not going to be all that hard to bring that bill out yeah, um, and see where it goes now in the future. Yeah. So, so it, it will it take look, a while. Yeah, I think people really, you know, need to uh, show a little bit of patience. Things are not going to change for the better for everybody in the next week. No. It's going to take some time. We still don't know um, what exactly 
uh, the new government has inherited. We can, we can, you know, um, uh, generalise from what we've heard and what we know, but we don't have a clue really in real terms exactly what the new government has inherited. So I ask people to show some patience um, and, you know, things that were were um, promised will come to pass in time. The ICAC, the, you know, the housing, um, you know, all of those things, they will come to pass, but they're not going to happen overnight. No. And it's very interesting, getting back onto the quad, basically what happened was is that Scumbo, and I'll still call him Scumbo, basically pulled the election day of the election for the 21st of April, yeah. it was Saturday, with the full knowledge that there would be a quad meeting. Yeah. That that the leader would have to go to, uh, you know, we'll have to fly to, for example, Albo had to fly and, and Penny Wong, the foreign minister, basically had to be sworn in this morning and fly out late morning to go to Japan for the quad meeting. Yep. Now, if that wasn't a setup of the first order, I don't know what was. Yeah. Whether Scumbo thought just did not even compute that he could possibly lose the election until the last week where he decided that, yes, he, he is a bit of a... A, bull, a bulldozer, and I'll change. Spoken like a true uh, perpetrator, yeah, you know, it's, perpetrator it's, of domestic violence, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, exactly. I, I um, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that line during the course of my life, I would be a very, very wealthy woman. Yes, and honey, I promise I won't hit you again. Just take me back. That's exactly what he was saying. And um, Australians didn't fall for it. And I have a renewed, restored faith in the Australian public. Well, I also think, and I think to be fair across the board, not only did um, the LNP got, well, they got trashed in WA, uh, literally. They, they literally got trashed in WA. But the rise of the Greens, they've got an extra, at this stage, it's still two people, there's an extra Greens uh, MP yep. in the House of Reps. Yep. And there are at least 10 Teal Independents. Yep. Now, most of the Teals trash the Liberal heartland yeah. But it also goes to show that people in those electorates weren't comfortable enough to vote Labor. No. And, and look, I do get that in part. Um, you know, Labor has been rubbished and tarnished um, as poor economic managers and, and blah, blah, blah. You know, because people don't actually have the time to sit there and study things and, and, and inform themselves. We know that that's rubbish. And, and historically, 
uh, labor is actually the better financial managers. Um, so, but people, uh, and I think the media is really uh, needs to be held to account here. And I think at some point, um, the, in, the new government will need to address just how much influence the Murdoch media has in our election process. Um, I think that's a valid question. I think that's a question that needs to be answered because that's all we hear. And, and people believe what they read and what they, because you're meant to believe what you read and what you hear on the news. You're not meant to, you know. So I don't blame the people, but I just think that, you know, some things need to be addressed with this. And Mr Murdoch influences our politics. He sells his whatever, makes mega, mega dollars, yet he pays zero tax to Australia. And that's a sore point with me. You know, you want to come here, you want to influence our country, you want to determine how we run our elections, but you don't have the decency to pay your fair share of tax to this country. No. Well, it's interesting. I don't think it's just up to the media as well. I think people, quite frankly, are sick of the argy-bargies. I think people... Uh, were also upset and felt that they had more of a say with the Teals when it comes to climate change, even though mm -hmm. Labor has a, went into the election with a, a pretty good climate change policy. A reasonable policy. It was reasonable, but the Teals felt it could go better. Yeah. yeah. I think they did a disservice to Christina Keneally, I agree. And the people of Parramatta, and the people of Parramatta spoke very clearly. Yep. We will not have uh, politicians parachute, as they're described, into our yep. electorate when they have no idea, really, of the local issues. Yeah. Now, could Christina have actually... Um, wrapped her head around the local issues. I think she probably could have, but it yeah. went to an independent who, interesting enough, does not align herself with the Teal Independent. She funded her own campaign. Uh, uh, forget what her Christian name is, but... Surname Zoe, is, is it Daniels? Is no, that no, the one? No, no, no that's Lou. not her. Lou. Uh, she was a local. She was also an ex-mayor. Uh, um, of the council. Oh, I know. Um, yeah. And she, well, she, not only did she have the full networks that Christina wouldn't have had a chance to have even no. remotely built up, that was a, a very bad call on Labor's part. It was. Uh, a very bad call. However, the electorate again said, nah, you parachute people in, we're not going to vote for them. And and it just says, you know, I've always, and I'll probably get crucified for this one, but I've always had the opinion that Australians are really laid back when it comes to um, voting and their responsibility in that. And this election has shown clearly that Australians are very much involved 
in their in their democratic process. And they have spoken loud and clear. And you know, WA is a is just an amazing example of that. Um, you know, we had um, the ex prime minister stand up and and um, against the the um, WA premier and side with Clive Palmer over a court case. Um, and then we had them um, uh, refer to them as some kind of hicks or other because they're in WA. And the people have just said, well, you know, no, that's not how it works. And, and you know, now he's not there no more. Um, and I think the climate change, whilst we try and deny it, it has. It is a big issue in this country, hmm. and people have said this is a big issue in well, our country. Interesting enough, where a lot of the change in votes happened, and it also happened in Queensland. Yeah. The Greens did extremely well in Queensland. They did, as opposed to 2019 when Bob Brown, the then leader, went in and said, "We're going to close all your." your coal mines down and too bad you're going to be without a job, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that yeah. backlash not only went back onto the Greens, it also went on to Labor at the time because yeah. the Liberals have always said if you vote for the Greens, you're voting for Labor. If you vote for Labor, you're voting for the Greens. Which now, really is a crock. Well, the Greens will keep Labor honest. Uh, but they're not one it. and the same. They're, they're not one they're, and the same. But even chasms so. apart. So but Adam, they, Adam, they have yeah. worked together in the past. Yes. And, you know, I mean, I think the whole of the Greens would be a bit surprised at their result. I think, I, they, I think they exceeded their own expectations. Well, they've done, very, they've done very well, particularly uh, I think there was one in doubt. I don't know whether they took it or it went to the Independent in the end, but the, the seat of Brisbane, Um whether that They're was going sure. Greens, they might even get a third member in Parliament at this stage. Um, so, but also I think under Adam Bant's leadership, they've, they've recognised they can't just be about climate change. They have to look at, they'll never get a full toehold into the House of Reps if they only look at climate change only. Yeah, exactly. They have to look much broader. They had a much, much broader social housing policy that uh, they wanted to. They wanted to build a million homes. Now, interesting enough, with the number of Greens and the Independents or the crossbench at this point in time, Labor can, to a degree, cherry pick who they want to negotiate with on what to get yeah. there through the house now in the senate i'm still waiting with bated breath in the senate because with australia you know, like most westminster uh, western systems it's got a part the, the the bill has got to pass both houses it can't just pass one yeah so the bill has got to pass it, so they've got to negotiate, potentially negotiate in the House of Reps or the People's House. But if they get it through the House, they've then got to get it through the Senate. So the makeup of the Senate and the crossbench in the Senate is going to prove very interesting as to how much negotiation 
the Labor Party are going to have to do to get their bills passed by both yeah. houses. Yeah. So whilst I, I we've think... been focused on the House of Reps and even on on voting night when they were doing the count, they were only given the count for the House of Reps and that was like a dog's breakfast, mm. absolutely like a dog's breakfast. And they said it's just too difficult to try and provide the numbers because it's even more of a dog's breakfast uh, for the Senate. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I think, though, because, you know, Labor isn't proposing any radical. I mean, they went in with a fairly modest plan. They, they weren't over the top. So they're really, I don't know that they're going to have that much of a problem negotiating in the Senate because they don't have any outrageous programs. So I think a negotiation would be easier because the pro the things that they've got um, that they want to change are going to be, you know, you've got ICAC and things like that. They're going to be things that are going to be supported. They're things that everybody wants. Um, you know, higher productivity, better, you know, those sorts of things uh, are things that everybody's going to want. So there's going to be a fair bit of common ground. Unlike with the coalition where you had things like robo-debt or, or the cashless debit card, which were radical changes that hurt people, negotiation becomes difficult. Yes, and the thing is, is that even though they negotiated it, the crossbench at the time still voted for those radical Yes, they bills. did. So this is why it's also very important to see what the makeup of the Senate is. Yeah, in its final makeup, yeah. as yeah. to uh, what you know, you will have a certain number of ALP, you'll have a certain number of Liberals, and you'll have a certain number of Greens. It's yeah. the others, yeah. Uh, and to my understanding, Teal Independence did not stand for the Senate. No, it stood for the House of Reps. But so, Jackie Lambie has got a bit of a growth in the in the Senate. Yes. So that'll be interesting. Yes. Um, you know, and again, it's I think it's the finding of common ground. Well, and, it and is, but I think good. there's a lot more negotiation. But I think we need to uh, and even like even today, they're not really giving the numbers of the Senate. No. And traditionally that's usually the case because they um it takes a lot longer to do the count in the senate yeah the first first point of order is to who is going to be the governing party in the house that that's the most important because yeah. they're the ones that actually produce the legislation yeah so but speaking on the senate what up what a paper it was to vote on. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, what a mind-boggling exercise, really. Yeah, it was rather interesting. There were parties there I've never heard of. In my Same. Yeah, but it was not the House of Reps. Like, there were seven candidates in Gilmore for the House of, yeah, for the House of Reps. And yeah, we had eight. Well, some we had, had 10. Yeah, we had seven. And quite frankly, I only knew two of them, which yeah. was uh, Fiona Phillips, the incumbent, uh, 
Labor MP if she does get in, and Andrew Constance, uh, who was the Liberal candidate. Now, he's putting up a bit of a tough fight uh, in the seat of Gilmore, which, interesting enough, Gilmore was the only electorate in the 2019 that Labor won from the Liberals. It was the only seat that went from Liberal to Labor because it was a blue ribbon seat up till 2019 and subsequently has become a marginal seat, which has proved itself in this election. And I think what I want to do is just have a look uh, results by division. And I'm just going to try and bring up Gilmore at this stage, because they're still saying it's too close to call. Gilmore. Oh. So at the moment... 306. 306. In and Constance way. In Andrew Constance. So there's only 306 votes in it as yet. Um, Which is really, you know, bugger all. Well, it, I'm just going to look at a bit more of the breakup. So we had... Uh, we had an independent, we had a Greens, we had a United Australia Party, we had a Pauline Hanson, and she got 3,600 votes in Gilmore. <laughs> and wow. UAP got 2,500, so it'll be interesting to see where their votes go. But uh, Well, we know where the UAP votes will go. Yeah. And then the Liberal Democrats, and then we had Labor. You know, but the only two people I knew were Andrew and the Liberals and yeah. and Fiona Phillips. Now, Andrew basically is a ex-New South Wales state Liberal politician and he's the guy that told Scumbo that he got what he deserved and how, how he, um, by the people of Cobar during the bushfires. Yeah. So, and, yeah. I, and a lot of people, I think it was like there was a few, it was something I, uh, uh, a bit of a short, you know, and for the first time, they actually had TV ads for Andrew Constance and Fiona Phillips. I've never seen that in a federal election before where local MPs or candidates were actually advertising yeah. on TV. That's how. Yeah. Now, Andrew has a lot of good standing. Problem is, as what some people said, it's the leader. They, they like the man. They just don't like his leader. Yeah. And I think that's been, you know, that's what Australia voted against, really. I think Liberals would have fared far better had they have not had Scott Morrison at the helm. It may have been a much closer race yeah. than, than, yeah. What it, than what it and was. And at this point, I'd just like to mention that this is only the fourth time since the war that Labor has won government from the opposition. Yes. You know, that, that's worth noting. And the other thing that I find extremely inspirational is the person that now wears the badge of our Prime Minister came from a single mum on a disability pension 
from the housing flats. Now, Australia, if that doesn't inspire you in this country that you can achieve anything you want to, then I don't think anything will. To come from such humble beginnings and to be end up at the top of the of the tree is is a huge achievement and um and i think that's inspirational for all our um young for all our poor don't give up you can do whatever the bloody hell you put your mind to yes but we also have to bear in mind and i look i i don't disagree with you but when Elba was growing up and he went to university, he had free university. Yes, and that was a, a Labor government um, policy. That's right. But we and don't I'd have like free... to see us go back to that at some point in the I future. I very much doubt that we will. But, you know, at, we have even successive Labor governments since that policy came in have kept the, the tertiary... Yep paid tertiary system so you know so there's things there's aspects there that he had as he and he puts it down to good government at the time which is yeah. quite true yeah we are now um, um, I agree anyone can aspire to whatever they want to and and that I think there's still a few roadblocks that have to be that young people have to negotiate yeah in order to achieve those aspirations yeah one of them is get rid of the cashless debit card particularly for, for sure. young people and particularly for tertiary uh, you know youth allowance because they just can't complete their studies their university studies on that that's that's proved a dismal failure yeah. for young tertiary students. That's been a major roadblock. Some of our <coughs> most brightest young people have had to give up their university studies yeah. because of the cashless debit card. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's the, you know, removing those barriers and and actually supporting, and I think this is where, you know, when when um, Albanese says no one held back and no one left behind, I think that's what he speaks of, is opening up those doorways so people can fulfil their aspirations. And, you know, I, I don't know whether we'll go back to the days of free tertiary, but I'd like to see some kind of, um, you know, I mean, I went, I did my, my BA in 83 um, as a mature, mature age student and I got it for free on those grounds. So, you know, I mean, there are ways around these things and a good mm -hmm. government finds ways to invest in their people. And one thing that this Labor government talks about a lot is investing in the people. That's where our future is. That's where our um, our um, economy is, our productivity is in our people. Well, yes, but I'm going to put a rider there. There's a saying, talk is cheap. <laughs> so now... 
Albo has not only got to talk the talk, he's got to walk the walk. <coughs> and yeah. that is what he's going to be, um, how would you put, assessed on? Yep. As to how much he does walk the walk. Now, I agree, um, we don't know what he's inherited. No. Uh, at this stage. We don't know. <coughs> I know there's a lot of things he wants to do. Uh, we don't know the speed of what he can do. We don't know at this stage the complete makeup of the Senate to see what what type of negotiations may have to come into play. So there's a few unknowns, quite frankly, at this stage. Yeah. Um, but I think it's one thing to be able to promise everything, but now he's got to keep those promises. Now yeah. it's going to now it's going to turn out. Is he a man of his word? Well, you know, you don't. I'll go back to my four line: is you don't get to keep a seat for twenty six years mm -hmm. if you don't, you know, serve your people. And he has said many a time that he is ready to serve. He has served his constituents for 26 years and they are happy with him. And I'm sure that Australia will be too. True. Um, but I think but it, I, I warned that we need I'm to be patient. I think we do need to be patient and I'm not saying don't be patient. What I am saying is, is that sometimes there's promises, you know, look, we've got lots of promises in the elections we got an and lmp gave lots of promises in 2019 and did none of them I had no intention yep. of doing any yep. of them quite yep. frankly it was just a promise um yes and you could say the same thing scumbo got back into his seat he serves his people too so mm. you know but when it comes to being prime minister we don't know what limitations at this point because we don't know what they're inheriting fully Yeah. as to whether those promises, how, how many of those promises can be kept. That's all yeah. I'm saying. And, yes, we do have to be patient. I absolutely agree with you there. But there's things that we, you know, for example, if you take the Uluru Statement of the Heart, Absolute promise came out in his uh, victory yep. speech, yep. everything like that. Yep. But look, but that's going to have on. to go to referendum. That's exactly right. Now, the problem with referendums is, is that I think it's good 80% of them never get passed. Yeah, but it that won't then be the fault of this government. They have promised that they will, you know, implement that in full. Uh, but it has to go to a referendum. That's and exactly therefore right. the people of Australia will have the final say on that. But how would you he feel will be if putting you were... it to uh, the people? Yes, he, he will be. Yeah, I agree he, with you. He's putting it to the people. But that's, I'm talking about there could be a limitation there that even though he be. wants to implement it in full, yeah, the Australian people reject that referendum. He can't fulfil 
that promise because of that limitation. Yep. You and, see what I'm getting that's at? That's right. That's, that's, yes, you are right. But I, the fact that it isn't him holding it back. No. It's but not, not, not. You True. know, he's try. He wants to, and he and he's going to put it out there. If the Australian public says no, that's not what we want, then that's the Australian public's decision to do that. That's right. But um, it's a limitation. It is a limitation. Remember, uh, it's a promise to the Aboriginal population that yep. he will implement in full. Now he can only take it to referendum and yep. choose the dates carefully, and they're. They're looking at May 2024 or 23, 23 and or May 2024. I think they're the two different. Yeah. To try and prepare the Australian people. Now, I'm not yeah. saying that the Australian people will say no. What I am saying is he can only implement yeah. and deliver that promise to a particular degree. Up to then, it's out of his hands, but yeah. he can't implement it in full no. if the Australian people say no. Yeah. So, uh, so in in other words, um, I think, now this, this happens on both sides. He would have been better to say that we, we will ensure we... We promise to ensure a referendum is held. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. You're right. You see what I'm getting at? He's kept you, his promise, but then then it's up to the Australian people. Yeah. But both sides of Parliament do this. They make these broad sweep promises, and then yeah. then there's a limitation that their potential limitation of some degree can come in. Now, yeah. I'm not disagreeing with the referendum. I'm not disagreeing no. that he has the right intent of wanting to implement it in full. My problem yeah. is he's made a promise that he may not be able to fully keep. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I do. And, and you know, I, like you say, past referendums have not gone to as as we would expect them to. But you know, it, it depends on how it's worded. A lot of a few referendums have fallen over purely on the wording. Well, I think they've been working on that for a number of years. With I was listening to I don't know whether it was the Drum or Seven Thirty Report, one of those ABC reports could have been the Drum, where they were talking about um, the referendum. That's where I got the the years, May 2023, yeah. May 2024, uh, from, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and they've been working with, you know, high court barristers and goodness knows what to make sure the wording is right. doesn't matter how you word things in a sense. People will, some people will always take it the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I've seen, I'm trying to think of which one, whether it was the Republican one or not, um, but I've been alive for a couple of referendums and they've fallen over in particular because of the way they were worded. Um, and, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's, there's... It's either, either or. But anyway, yeah. 
I just wanted to raise that raise that point about politicians need to be more judicious, I believe, in how they phrase their promises because that's what the Australian electorate decide. Yeah. Because if they say, yes, okay, but you promised us yeah. and you haven't kept your promise, doesn't yeah. matter whether he's of high integrity or not, and he yeah. is an integral man, I, I do accept, you know what I mean, and that sort of thing. If you get too broad sweeping, and that's just only one classic example through it, yeah. Aged care is another. You know, uh, there were some, there's five pillars to aged care, mm-hmm. but it came out in the election, well, okay, we can't do everything at once. It mm-hmm. came out in the campaign. You know, so yep. they, had to, they had to kind of backtrack a bit. So that's what I'm saying about he didn't come out with a lot of, uh, he, he really didn't come out with any, major controversial policies per se it was more about how he promised things mm-hmm. that it is what he's going to be to put put a, a a blunt word on what he's going to be judged on yeah and yeah I, I get what you're saying and no you can't fix everything and no you can't fix everything straight away um you know, again, we go back to what what do they inherit? I mean, you know, for exactly. all we know, it could make it almost impossible to push anything, any change through, depending on what they inherit. That's exactly right. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. We don't know the limitations at this point in time. Yeah. Or the, what the potential limitations are. And yeah. I think he was trying to be careful. Uh, it was, I think, a lot more careful than Scumbo, quite frankly, who was promising the earth and everybody knew he'd deliver none of it, you know, and just yeah. go to big business and he's, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and that, But the interesting thing that I found for, if we go back to a man of humble beginnings, he had nothing to say about JobSeeker. He had nothing to say about age pensions except for the cashless debit card. He had nothing to say. Yeah, I I agree with you. I agree with you completely on that. And then I look at the side, okay, if he got up and he said, well, we're going to lift up JobSeeker um, to a livable wage and same with the other payments, can you imagine the outrage that he would have faced in the current climate where we are a trillion dollars in debt? They would have flogged him till the cows come home and he wouldn't have even had a show in. So I... Uh, look, I, I, don't like dis- that- I don't disagree with you there, but I think you also got to bear in mind that they're the people who are the most vulnerable in our society. Yeah, they are. And, they are the people who should not be left behind. No, and I'm sure that they won't be if left behind. If he had said and committed to we will review the payment structure. 
And I think he did say that at one stage. No, he didn't. That it actually, would be reviewed. No. And Jim Chalmers also said that these things will be reviewed in time, and they will. Yeah, but not in this, from what I understand, it's not in this election cycle. Well, again, I think I dare say that, you know, the first budget will be, what, um, August, between August and October. Uh, I think I'll hold my judgment till then because by that stage they will know what they what they will inherit yes and by that stage they will have a much clearer idea as to where they go from there in the yeah. next and i would not be surprised yeah. if um you know those things came up then yeah I, I i'm just pointing these things out because um i think i'm trying to be fair here not only to albo because i think he did a good it was an interesting campaign from Albo, and I, I'm reminded of his uh, saying, uh, don't interrupt your opponent while they're making a mistake. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And he had his, he's human, he had his, his, his uh, gaffes. Gaffes, gaffes or, you know, yeah. and everything else like that. I'm not saying that I agree with, I, I couldn't wait to get rid of Scumbo, quite frankly. Um, we couldn't, I personally don't feel we could have done another four years or three three years with Scumbo in office. No. Um, and that sort of thing. And um, But I'm a little bit more open about, well, hold on, we need to have some checks and balances here, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, he's a nice man. I haven't met him in person. But he seems a nice man. He's, um, I was quite impressed how he could deliver uh, a speech to the Australian Press Club without looking at his notes once. I was also quite impressed on how he could deliver his victory speech without looking at his notes once. Uh, so he, because I think that he, is he must border he on having from the heart. Absolutely, but I also think he must have a photographic memory. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think, I think he's a look. I've said this number of times. He's a man of integrity, and that's something we're not entirely used to amongst our politicians. Um, and he's a man of his word. His word is his bond. And I, I have met Elbow briefly, but look. I caught the man, the first time I saw Elbo speak was um, a budget reply and he won me then with the vision for Australia. I haven't, um, there. I've seen nothing since that time that has said to me, well, hang on, he's not being genuine, he's not being honest, there's something amiss here. I, I don't get that from him. I think he will work. He does work. He's the hardest working politician that we've seen. A man done four states in a day, for heaven's sake. You mm. know, you don't you don't get that every day. He's a hard worker. He's honest. He's genuine. He speaks from the heart. Now, they're four pretty good qualities in a PM. Sure, he's going to make mistakes. It's his first time. Um, and he's not perfect. He's not a machine. He's human. Um, and I think if we're patient, 
I said uh, some time ago, we're on a precipice of something new and great, and I still believe that. Mm -hmm. And this election has firmed that for me in the sense that we've got so many more women involved, we have so many more independents involved, and we have a man that's the leader that can work with people, that will join people together, that will look for a common cause, and I, and I think that they're all good things. Um, and that's all I've got well, to say on that one. And on that note, this is Tesla Casey and Sue Pavlik saying good night. Good night. Thank you Be for kind to each other. This. Yes, thank you for watching and listening and hope you have a great day wherever, or evening wherever you are in the world. Bye for now.